and mortars and RPGs and machine gun fire just started like letting it rain. Welcome to Like a Man. I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. On today's episode, I brought on Staff Sergeant Walker, a good childhood friend of mine, and he shares with us some experiences he had while being deployed in Afghanistan. Let's listen. We'd go out every day in the morning and just look for roadside bombs. Those are called IEDs, correct? Yep, IEDs. We were originally in Coast, and then we ended up moving into Pactia, and we were on a FOB called FOB Salerno. And so it was a bigger base, and then you have all your little bases called COBs, like just kind of scattered out. Those little COBs need to, you know, have like resupply or like we were attached to when we got there, the 101st Airborne. So before anybody went anywhere, we would have to clear the road first and it's kind of a slow tedious process there's a lot of good intel we would get before we'd go out so you kind of know you'd have different areas that were more active than others so you knew when to be more deliberate or you know can relax a little bit so we'd clear these roads every day and hopefully find them before they found us and you get those tip-offs from I guess the the military's spies on the other yeah, side, right? Yeah, they they have they kind of, it's kind of funny. They had, you know, those China balloons that have been flying around. Uh-huh. They kind of we had our own. It was a blimp. It didn't float around, but it went clear up in the air and it had a camera on it and it would kind of it could see clear out and so that would gather intel at night for us or tip-offs from like the locals which didn't happen too much because if the Taliban found out anybody was helping us, they would kill them. So it was kind of, we didn't really get a lot, at least, you know, our interaction with the locals, mm-hmm. we didn't get a lot of that just because of that reason. I was a gunner, a 50 cal gunner. And then I also had my M249 machine gun. That was like my personal weapon. So I was a gunner the whole deployment and I was with our lieutenant and then he always had our interpreter with us. His name was Mox. This guy was awesome. He, he was a good dude. And the Taliban found out that he was helping us and they actually, I think they kidnapped his uncle. I don't know if he ever got him back. I did never hear. And then they booby trapped his house. And he went home one day and opened his door and it set off uh, an IED and it messed up his leg really bad. It didn't kill him, but it messed up his leg. And like the rest of our deployment, he just walked around with a limp. But even after all of that, he still continued to help us. And Really? Yeah, he, he was wow. a good dude. How do they make those IEDs? Um, so a lot of the ones we saw... It was called HME, but it was all uh, made with fertilizer. It was like a white powder concoction that they put in like buckets 
or uh you know those like pressure cookers mm-hmm. those yeah. were those were the really bad ones just because i mean they're sealed so tight it just creates a, a lot bigger explosion or they have these directional ones they'd make like a cone and they'd set them in trees and they put shrapnel like in the ends of them so when they go off they'd usually point them at gunners like because they're exposed and they'd put them in trees and the cone would you know explode and shoot that shrapnel like into the gunner turret yeah those ones are always in the back of my mind kind of freaked me out but so you were the target of these guys that they were trying to get you because you were the gunner on yours. So like in the turret, you know, the metal part that goes around you. And then we even had a, another level of like bulletproof glass around us. So I could sit up a little higher, but you kind of become so desensitized to like that lifestyle that like I would sit up in the turret. So if a sniper wanted to shoot me, it would have been game over but you just get so used to the craziness that you're just like yeah whatever how long was your deployment uh it was 10 months in country so they don't just send you over there without a bunch of training they call it mob when you first leave so we went to wisconsin and we were there for like a month and a half just doing route clearance training. They have instructors there. And if they don't think you're up to par, they won't even send you on the deployment. Like you have to kind of pass all of their, their requirements to even go. And so we passed, went over there and yeah, it was 10 months that we were over there. It was our first night, actually, it was, kind of a crazy story so we flew in to kuwait and we were there for a little bit and then from kuwait we went to uh, i think it was kyrgyzstan is how you pronounce it and there's an air force base there called manis and then from there we went to afghanistan and so like we have no idea what to expect and we're on a c-130 and They do these, I think they call them like a combat landing. So they're kind of like super high up in the air. And so they don't get shot at. They just like drop out of the sky and then hurry and land. If that makes sense. They don't, they don't come in, you know, like a regular commercial airplane, all nice and slow and slow, gradual. They just like drop out of the air and land super fast. And it was kind of weird because we had our weapons, but they hadn't, like issued us ammo or anything like so like we didn't have like if the back doors dropped and we started getting shot at like (laughs) we would have been screwed because we didn't even have ammunition which i kind of thought was really weird and so we got off the plane we walked out the back and they directed us where to go and we found like our where we were going to be staying and we still didn't have ammunition And I have a machine gun, so, like, I have to have, like, belts of ammunition, not, like, magazines. And anyway, we go to bed, and then all of a sudden, like, I don't know what time it was, but our base, like, a huge complex attack happened, and 
it was so big it actually made news back here like it was they were launching mortars and rockets they had two i think it was two dump trucks loaded with explosives ran the gate and explode they had guys trying to come into our base and they were dressed in our uniforms which is kind of creepy are you serious yeah and so all this is happening there's like Apache helicopters letting it rain right above where we're staying. And all this is happening. And we're like, we have no idea. Like usually when a base gets attacked, a unit will have like a spot they go to, to defend the base to kind of help. But we had just got there. So we had no idea, you know, where to even go. We didn't even have bullets. And I just remember our LT runs in our room and he has a giant sandwich bag full of five, five, six rounds, just a bag of bullets. And he hands it one of us and he's like, start loading these up. And I have a machine gun. So that doesn't even work for me. Like I can jam a a magazine in the side of my machine gun, but it's not effective. And so I just didn't have any bullets. So all this is happening And we're just like kind of freaking out because it's our first night there. And they just told us to hunker down in our bays and just wait it out. And luckily, I think one guy, he made it through the fence. He cut a hole in the fence and then he ended up getting shot right there as he crawled through the fence. But the next morning, it was like carnage, man. There was bodies everywhere like around the base like i mean it was it was crazy they're one of uh the guys he actually got a video so they're these apache helicopters are just kind of like hovering above where we were staying just shooting launching missiles and my buddy actually got a video one of the guys the taliban fired an rpg and it went zooming right past one of the apaches i mean it's hard to explain just the, the craziness of it, but I mean, that was our first night there. Not even day one. Welcome to Afghanistan, soldier. <laughs> I know. Holy I know. cow. I know. Wow. Were you able to sleep like the second night at all or? On these bases, the only lights allowed are like your red headlamps. So like there's no lights on anywhere at night. You're just walking around in the dark. Or you have a red headlamp, which really doesn't light up that much. And the Taliban, they it wasn't too often where we were at, but they were always launching like rockets or mortars into our base from nearby hillsides. So, so you'd be walking to the showers or something, and then <laughs> a rocket would come flying in and explode 100 meters behind you, and you just take off running. It kind of turned into a game as messed up as that sounds it was kind of like a russian roulette you just get used to it it's weird like when you first get there everyone is kind of like freaked out and they'll run to like a bunker but the longer you're there the more desensitized you become to it and you just kind of you still run but you're laughing as you're running what else did you guys experience while you were out there That was the biggest attack on our base, but there was always like smaller ones that were happening. We weren't really a part of like base defense because we were out all the time. But usually, so like when you're looking for IEDs, 
usually how the Taliban would set it up is so they'll set off an IED and usually there was like an attack with it because then that disables one of your trucks and then everybody stops and then they start launching rounds and RPGs at you while you're just sitting there. So we had quite a bit of that where a truck would get hit and it sounds worse. So like we'd say, okay, one of us got blown up, but these trucks they're called the ones we were in, they were RG RG 31s and they had RPG cages, mine rollers. We had a Buffalo, all these trucks, like it, it's kind of a route clearance package. These Huskies that have like GPR panels and metal detector panels. Do you know what a Buffalo is? It has like a big arm that comes out and like digs. I've seen them. So yeah, these, these trucks are made to get blown up. They have like a V shape hole on the bottom. So when the blast goes off under the truck, that V shape kind of directs the blast out. But then the trucks are also made to basically just fall apart and absorb that blast. So I think there was like a hundred, maybe like 120, three platoons. And I think out of everybody that went out, like doing route clearance, gosh, there was only a handful that didn't get hit with an IED. And so my particular encounter with an IED was actually on Christmas Eve. But the whole story leading up to it was also kind of crazy. I'll come back to it. So we had gone out to this tiny little base. Um, it wasn't even a U.S. It was like this tiny little Afghan army base. And it was so small, we couldn't even pull all of our trucks into it for the night. So we kind of had to make a horseshoe with our trucks to set up like our own security. And there were these little huts we were staying in and we were all just kind of hanging out. And (laughs) I was actually going to the bathroom with one of my, just standing there with one of my buddies. And then all of a sudden I hear this whistling noise and we both look at each other and mortars and RPGs and machine gun fire just started like letting it rain. And I didn't even, I didn't even have my body armor on. It was like in the little hut we were staying in. So we like took off running for that hut and we're all like, and everybody else was running for the hut because everybody's body armor was in this hut. So we're all trying to grab our body armor and run back to the trucks to get, you know, the big guns up and going. And some people were already in the trucks, you know, pulling security. And so they were firing back. And it kind of reminded me of like a scene from a movie because my truck was like parked pretty far away from this little hut. And me and this, me and my buddy, my driver, it was like slow motion. We're just like running across where we had parked. RPGs are flying in, mortars are hitting, machine guns are going off, people are firing back. And we're just like, it just felt like a slow motion Hollywood film. We're just like running for my truck <laughs> to get the gun, the gun up and going. And you jumped over the hood, <laughs> yeah, slid on much. the hood. <laughs> <laughs> so we make it to the truck and 
so that truck in particular that had a crow system on it so it looks like a giant robot with a gun attached to it and you control it from inside with a joystick so that particular mission i was a crow gunner so my gun was already on this giant robot thing and it kind of takes a minute to power it up so we jump in the truck and i'm trying to power this gun up missing out on all the action and pretty much right when i got the gun up and going i i was zooming in scanning for targets and all i could see was civilians running away and at that point everything had stopped because you know our guys were returning fire and then there, i think there were some infantry guys there with us too and they started launching mortars back at them all that happened we slept there <laughs> And then the next day, we went back to our main FOB, which was Christmas Eve. And on our way back is when our truck hit an IED. And, you know, I'm a God-fearing man. I definitely think God was on my side that night because normally, like I said, I'm a gunner in a turret where I'm exposed. But that particular mission... I was inside the truck controlling the gun, you know, that's on top. And when we hit the IED, so the truck we had, it has giant mine rollers attached to the truck. Like on the front, those rollers would hit an IED before the truck. Mm-hmm. But then they, they'd get smart and just offset the initiation device from the actual bomb, which is what happened to us. So the rollers hit the switch and the bomb was actually under our front right tire and when the bomb the id went off it lifted that whole set of like mine rollers and asphalt and like put it right where i would have been if i was in a normal turret and probably killed me because it's like a giant hunk of metal and so it picked all of that up like hit the top of the truck where i normally would have been Just the fact that I just happened to be inside as a gunner versus outside like I normally am was just, I feel like, you know, God (laughs) saving me there. And I was in the back and it rung my bell pretty good. Definitely more more of the guys in the front because that's where it hit. And like we're all sitting in there. We're all fine. We had our buffalo come up and kind of look for secondaries because that was always kind of a thing they'd hit you with one then they wait for people to get out and start moving around and then they'd have other secondary ones go off so we'd always have our buffalo come up and kind of search for secondaries there wasn't a complex attack with that one they just set it off and ran away i guess but um they ended up uh, medevacking we all just went a couple of the guys were they went kind of loopy from the explosion and the black hawk came and picked us up and took us back to base and evaluated us um a couple of the guys had to stay for a couple of days just because their bells got rung pretty good so that was my close encounter with an ied but i mean we had not a lot there was probably uh three or four other ied blasts again like 
a truck would get hit and you just you're so desensitized to it that you already know the guys are okay because of how the trucks are and it was kind of just like a oh a truck got hit because you're so used to stuff blowing up everywhere and <laughs> so you got hit by an ied more than once no so i don't mine was only once just on christmas eve i mean there was times where the truck in front of me would get hit i mean you'd feel that shock wave and um it was pretty a pretty intense deployment um you know you'd come up on a fight with like the taliban and like the afghan army and all you'd see is like an engine block from some car and like a hand somebody's hand would just be laying in the road random <laughs> hand yeah just a hand like an engine block and a hand and it's like holy cow tell us about what it was like for when you came home and after that why don't you tell us what it is that you're doing now so yeah when when i came home it was quite the adjustment because I feel like you get this. I didn't really feel like I was over there to liberate Afghanistan. I didn't get that. Just, I mean, I can elaborate on that at a later time, but it was more to keep my buddies alive. Like we were there for each other and you just had this sense of, super hardcore meaning in your life. And so when you come home now, all of a sudden, you know, I, I didn't have a job or anything. And so I just started, you know, working. I think I started back up with my grandpa doing sprinkler systems to like make money, like right off the bat. And I just remember we were down at, it was Sharon Collard's house. And I was, we were putting in her sprinkler system. And I was like raking dirt back into the trench. I just like started bawling. I don't even know why. And my family was there helping. And I just like walked home. I just dropped the rake and walked home. I was like, I can't do this. (laughs) But it was just a crazy adjustment from going from what we had been doing for 10 months, like to now all of a sudden I'm raking dirt back into a trench and I don't know. It, it was, it's hard to explain. I mean, even driving down a road, you know, like just a normal road and feeling like you're not going to get blown up or even grass, like there's no grass where we were at. And just the, it's like just the little things, but I ended up going to the VA and got some help there and, you know, with the support of family and friends. I feel like I recovered from all of that pretty quickly. I had a lot of friends that really struggled. Um, and I felt like we all, we all stayed pretty close because at that time we were still in the same unit, so we'd still see each other pretty often. And then people started getting out, and again, they – reorganized the engineers and they got rid of that unit, the 118th Sapper company. And they kind of got rid of the demolition side of all of it. So it was like, I joined to do cool stuff. You know, I'm not, I'm not as hardcore as special forces guys, but 
for what it was, it, it was a little hardcore, I guess. But they got rid of it, and so I'm like, great, now what am I going to do? I don't want to go push dirt in a bulldozer or, you know, those other engineering jobs. And so I put in to go to the 19th Special Forces Group Support Battalion. I guess it's a company, well, there's a bunch of companies, and their job is to support the team guys, the Special Forces guys. And it's an airborne unit, and so you get a jump out of planes so i got the slot and i went over to bravo company in the 19th gsb and i went to airborne school in fort benning georgia i ended up graduating from that and i came back to the gsb Um, we actually have an engineer section we don't do demolition but i reclassed and became a an electrician so we have like our little engineer section we have plumbers electricians carpenters masons i mean basically so if you got deployed with the team you could build them a place to live and have a bathroom and power and all that and then you get a jump out of planes on the side so yeah i've been in i think i just hit 17 years in february so it's I've been in a minute. What rank are you right now? So currently I'm a staff sergeant, an E6. I just actually, E7 position right now, I just got put in charge of our section. So I'm the one that gets to do all the planning now. So so what are you doing for your civilian life? Uh, so back in 20... 2016, I started my own drafting business with three other guys. Um, We had all gone to UVU and got our drafting degree, and we'd all worked at a previous firm together, kind of got our experience and ended up leaving and starting our, our own. We mostly do steel detailing is what they call it, but we just say drafting because it sounds like we're washing cars, but... We do big commercial high-rise stuff, a lot of schools, uh, concrete tilt-up. We actually did, at the previous place, we did all the steel for like the Cedar City Temple. I've worked on quite a few pretty cool projects. It's been a good job. I actually got married right around that same time to my wife, and we have two kids, a boy and a girl, and so... Everybody admires somebody who's been there and done that as far as going to Afghanistan or Iraq or anywhere. So I'm sure you're admired by a lot of people and they all respect you. I know I respect you and everybody I talk to respects you as well. So I appreciate you appreciate taking it. the time to come on. Yeah. Hopefully no we can do this again soon. Yeah. Yep. All for it. I loved connecting with my old friend and hearing these experiences that he had in Afghanistan. And I am so grateful that he took the time to come onto this show and share it with everybody on here. I'm also very happy that he's integrated back into civilian life so successfully and that he has a beautiful family. So we're going to end this one by hearing the beautiful sound of a big truck backing up. (laughs) 